Are you tired of talking about The Undertaker yet? Feels like it's been months we've been talking about him. I know, right? Mm. What, what happened? What, what happened to our lives that, like, this is this is where we're at? I feel like we need a new podcast called Undertaker Must, <laughs> must Die. Um, <laughs> Didn't he die in 1990? And 94. <laughs> Imagine that. He's died twice. How many lives is he? No, did not did he also die? He got buried alive a couple times, too. He's been buried alive and burnt. He's been smashed in a limo. It's a lot of stupid things. But here we he are. Committed, um, he committed a stepfather parasite with Paul Bearer. And also committed friend's father's murder attempt, Sid murder, by giving Bob Orton hepatitis. That's true. That was the other way around. <laughs> didn't, he also, didn't he also try to embalm someone alive? Often. 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 Yeah. It's been and quite finally, the run. And animal abuse when he beat up that big dog. Coco Beware. Yeah, I hate that Coco Beware. So we've covered a bunch of Undertaker so far. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of his rumbles across two episodes. Yeah. And tonight we finish him off. So we have four rumbles left to discuss of this man. And uh, we've seen some really good ones. We've seen some solid ones. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he finishes. Like, I would have assumed maybe it's kind of been a, a gradual climb, peak, and then descent, but we'll see if it plays out that way. Well, you know what's funny is that, like, I remember when we first recorded the first one, mm-hmm. one of the first things we talked about was, is this someone you associate with the Royal Rumble? Right. And we kind of both said, no, not really, like, considering he's been in so many of them. But as we dig deeper and deeper into his run, he, he's a really sneaky good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all his scores are, are high. Like, coming into tonight, his lowest composite is 25 so far, which is pretty strong. Like, overall, when you look at our, you know, total numbers across the board, and his best was 42, which is a bit of an outlier. He's um, he's he's mainly between, like, that 25 to 29 range for the bulk of his stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. And all of his all of his rumbles are, like, in, like, the top 50. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I know top fifty doesn't probably sound that impressive, uh, but up to this point, we have hit a hundred and seventy individual performances. Right. So everything he's done has been in the top, um, a little over the top third. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's no one else. I don't think anyway. Like, seems to have that many high end. Like even Sean, who's our best so far or Hogan like they still have ones that were a little lower or maybe not Hogan but Sean not Hogan yeah like Sean's well but Sean is like it like I mean what was Sean's worst like it was like the one where he got tossed out in like a second right so right like that that doesn't really count I guess Mm -hmm. The, the trick with Sean is he's got like those three or four that are just like in the greatest of all time conversation right whereas takers maybe a little more balanced which is weird because Taker's, Taker's usually the guy with the highs, highs and low lows, as we've talked about in No Holds Barred a lot. Um, we'll have like some classics, but then also a lot of stinkers, whereas with the Rumble, it seems to be fairly consistent. Yeah, and, and I mean, like the Rumble actually really does show because like Undertaker takes a lot of heat early on in his career for his matches mm-hmm. being boring. And I mean, with good reason. So many of them are just absolutely boring, right? But that being said, even in the early rumbles, when you see him kind of in there with a variety of guys, you could see that he could go. 
And I think I've gained a bit of an appreciation of his work watching these rumbles. Right. Yeah, I agree. A lot of there's more nuance than you would expect. Yeah. 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 It's almost like he's one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Well, subsequently being one of the worst of all time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's head to 2007. Uh, he's coming in, comes in at number 30 for the third time in his career. So that's going to be a record, I would assume, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great present presence, and he's he's now into the full like legend aura. When we on our last one, and, and you know it was a significant gap. He hadn't been in since '03. He was still just kind of an active main event star, and I feel like now he's like kind of that. He's still that, but he's also got like a legends aura around him by this point. Yeah, in '07, you agree with that? Oh yeah, definitely. Which is, <laughs> I mean, we're gonna get there. Which is why I found the the. The how this rumble goes down very surprising at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, what? Him? Like, right. he's gonna go do this now? Um, yeah. So you're absolutely right. Like, and and it and it's funny because this kind of not that he had like he didn't have great matches before, but this is the start of like, hey, Undertaker is actually amazing. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it seeped in a little bit. In like 05 with like the Orton feud and, and stuff. And then yeah. 06, he's got the match with Kurt. That was kind of like the coming out. Yes, Mark Henry. Um, that was kind of the coming out for him in, in uh, it, No Way Out with uh, Kurt. And then here, all of a sudden, in 07, yeah. you get this that kind of ignites the powder keg. And then boom, it's like from here until his body really starts to give out, he's... yeah. Um, yeah, considered just a great worker, which is a, a, a hell of a, a resurgence. Yeah, until they stick him with Kane, and then you know. Right. But the yeah, the other thing true. too is that like when you ha- when he did the Kurt match in 06, that's the outlier, mm-hmm. right? It's like oh, he had a great match. After this Rumble, I find his pay per view stuff. It's like oh, he didn't do ha- he didn't have a great match because right. of the thing, right. which is really cool. Like it's a cool thing for him to have late in his career. Yeah, he completely over overhauled his performance level. And yeah. output. All right, so we get a pretty good entrance. Kali staring him down. We get an immediate slugfest, and then Taker drives him to the floor to a pop. So big elimination there to take out Kali out of the gate. Yeah, and it avenges the bullshit from 06 because like right. Kali had like chopped him down and pinned him with one foot. And yeah. imagine that was a thing. Uh, Taker cleans house. JBL's really going over. You know, put him over hard as the odds-on favorite. Throws out MVP and puts us right to our final four, uh, which is a very good final four. So it's a quick escalation to the end for him. And it seems like he's not going to be in there that long. No, no. And I I love at this point, too, that just a jumping clothesline is vintage Undertaker from Michael Cole. Even though he had just done the old school on MVP, like just call that the vintage move. Right. No, he can't. He's going to call that the old school. Do you think he forgot to say that was vintage Undertaker? And he's like, fuck, what am I going to get it in again? Right, and then he does this clothesline, and he's done that oh, for a while. Perfect, he's done that before. So Taker's bleeding, uh, but he fires up against Randy Orton and Edge, who are uh, the other two in the Final Four, along with Taker and Shawn Michaels. A really good mix of desperation and exhaustion, but Taker hangs on. Uh, Rated RKO swarms Taker, they're about to rattle him, but then Shawn comes in and dumps them both. And that yeah. leaves us with the two legends, which is a yeah. great moment, because both are out. And Taker does his dead man sit up as Sean does his nib up. And the crowd yeah. just like goes bonkers. And this was a really yeah. cool moment because these guys had not crossed paths since their feud in 97 into early 98. Like 
were almost 10 years since they last really came into each other's orbit. Because I don't think since Sean was back in 02, they really ever collided in any way. Well, they were always on opposite shows. Right. I mean, except at the very beginning. But Undertaker went to SmackDown pretty quick. Yeah, he goes to SmackDown. Like in uh, 02. Really early in 03, because he's fighting A-Train. And... No, but he fights Brock. Is, isn't Brock on SmackDown? In, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Summer. He goes in 02. Yeah, late 02. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I he's not am... really with Sean. Maybe for like a month. And after that, and that's it. They don't cross paths again until here. I am such a massive mark for blood in the rumble. It's rare. I, I feel like it's pretty rare. Yeah, because Orton and Edge beat the shit out of him, mm-hmm. right? And then there's that great shot where like, like he he looks so good with Orton in position for the choke slam and like blood pouring down his face. Yeah, like, it's such a great visual. And I love too that when you mentioned like they do the the sit up and then the kip up, like the crowd at this point knows, oh fuck, it's on. Right. And, and then, but even then, I don't think anyone would expect what we got, which is a long singles match. <laughs> like you think usually we don't go too long after toward the end. It's generally a quick. Uh, you know, quick outing and then and then we're out. But this goes for a while. And Taker uses great power. He flicks Sean away as he tries to attack. He's landing some big power strikes. Very long battle with some good teases. And uh, again, you don't. I, I, this had to be a first with like two legends, two main event level guys getting you know decent time at the end to tell a story here. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I can't think of a rumble where that happened ever before this point. Like they've done it, they've tried it a couple times since, but you know, it has, it has, it wasn't a thing at all. In fact, like you'd get the two guys at the end. Like you know, what's a great example is Brett Luger. Right. Like Brett Luger, it's like, oh shit, it's the two big guys, and then it's over in an instant. Yeah, yeah, they don't really fight. Not like this for sure. Yeah. Maybe Hogan Quake is kind of close-ish. Yeah, uh, it's not to this level, but they do go for a minute or two after. Like, it's not that quick at the end. If only Sid had beaten up Ric Flair a bit longer. Mm, son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Uh, crowd is clearly behind Shawn Michaels in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But again, to your point, like Taker, yes, was super over, but like he hadn't earned that cred. Like, I think Shawn would be the guy you want to see at Mania for the title. Uh, plus, we're yeah. also in San Antonio, which helps as well. So, Yes, that's right. And, I mean, Sean had, had an interesting 06. Like, he fought mm-hmm. Vince in that cool feud. They had the DX stuff, and then that was kind of done with Triple H's injury. So, like, I mean, he was he was in a much better position on the card at this point, I find, than Taker was. Yep. Agreed. Uh, so and, Taker, and yeah. I was just going to say, right away, like, you can see them fall into their chemistry immediately, mm-hmm. too. Like, just the way they move together, like the way Sean, like, has to jump on him to punch him to get shoved off, the way he jabs and dodges, like, they just, they just have that act of the big guy and the small guy down. Right. Yeah. It's, no, they perfected it in 97, 98, and it did not erode with their nine years of not interacting at all. So Taker dodges Sweet Jim Music, it's a big choke slam for some really good drama, Sean then hits Sweet Chin Music, and then he tries it again, but Taker sidesteps him and shoves Sean out to win his first ever Rumble. So yeah. all this time, he had never won one, and, you know, Sean seems on the doorstep at his hometown. So I thought this was a rare Rumble where right down to the last two, you still weren't sure who was actually going to win. So I thought they did a good job. It had um, a lot of drama, racked up eliminations, had an all-timer sequence at the end. It was unique. 
And it's just two legends having a mini match to wrap up a, a excellent rumble. Yeah, and I love that you say you weren't sure it was going to win, and then the like the the uh, the underdog of the two kind of wins. Mm-hmm. Which underdog in, in your mind, right? And and to me, I like this was a pay per view I watched live. Like I didn't buy a lot of pay per views then. I was kind of falling out of love with the product. But I bought this one. I watched it live, and I was completely floored by him winning. Right. Because I'm like, oh, they're not going to put the title on him. <laughs> like that was my mindset, right? Like why would they put the title on him? Yeah, I mean, they had given us no reason to think that was something that could happen. Yeah. And as I was rewatching this too, I started to think like. And this is actually quite slow, like the, mm. like it's slower than I remember. But the more I thought about it, like I'm like, oh, it's really good, though, c- considering like the drama of the match. Right. And how long Sean's been in there and how much damage was done to Undertaker. Like I, I thought it I thought it, it the slowness was warranted in this instant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree, especially at the end of a long match. Sean had been there a while, like and there's a high heavy stakes. So, like, it makes sense to me that they would be so keen to, like, make sure it was perfect, that they didn't fuck up. And not not behind the scenes, just even kayfabe-wise. Right. Right, right. Um, but, like, yeah, a great part of the match. Um, so cool to end it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you at with presentation for this one? I mean, I went seven. Uh, like, you know, like I said, he's still the Undertaker, still a main eventer, still feels like a big deal. He feels like a threat. They talk about him like a threat. Like, he really felt like a, a superstar here. I, I mean, you know, he's presented, obviously, extremely well. Yeah. I'm a step, just a step below. Like, I think he's presented really well. But I do think he's kind of a little bit presented as an afterthought until he starts having that that mini match. So I'm at a six. Okay. Uh, creativity, I went seven as well. Like, I think the uniqueness of having that long match at the end was really cool. Stuff with Kali was good. The blood, the double teams at RKO, the really good finish. Like, it just was very different, which I usually reward in this category when they do some different stuff. And they really did. Yeah, I'm at a five. Um, I, I like it. I think it's good. I, I think as I was – because I really like – I mean, I tried to really compare this one to Sean's, right? Because right. I think it's it's kind of intertwined, right? And so for Sean, I had him at a six for creativity, and I thought that the match, the the survivors, the survivors, the Royal Rumble match and the mini match at the end was carried that little bit more by Sean's drama Mm. and his selling and that, which is why I have him just that notch below at five. Okay. But effectiveness, I'm at a strong seven. I, I thought yeah. I thought it was great. First ever winner from number 30. First ever winner from him. Surprising winner. Great match. He eliminates three guys, too. He lasts 13 minutes. Classic finale. I mean, that's what you always, when you think of that rumble, that's what you think of. Take a Sean fighting at the end. Exactly. That gives him a score of 39. And that's going to tie him with only one person. And that one person is Rick Martell from 1991. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's a tough one because Taker does win, and it is super memorable. I know we love Martel's run, though. I think Martel is much better in the match than Taker mm-hmm. is, and that's saying something. I think Taker's really good. I think Martel carries the whole match. I don't know. But he's not presented as 
sadly, despite all that, he still never feels like a real threat to win, even though he should have been. Right. But I'm wondering if that matters because like, mm. like it, it's not, we, we have that covered in presentation, right? Right. Right. Like, and you're right that he's not presented as a threat, but he's presented as like, like arguably the most important person in the match. Right. So, I, I mean, I think it's kind of a toss up. I think Martel's performance is better. I think Taker's maybe means more. I don't know if it means more. It's more memorable because like Martel also really hammered home that, that Iron Man um, right. run, right. Which becomes a staple. Um, I mean, whatever, let's put Taker ahead, I guess, but it's close. It's tough. I'm not happy about it, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that lands the Undertaker. If he loses to Sean at the end of this, I think you can argue that, okay, like, Taker would be below. You know what I mean? Him winning, I think, is what helps bump him over. Yeah, I just, I, I now see Rick Martel sliding out of the top 10. <laughs> well, look, it's going to happen. Like, if I had to, like, I mean, it's. I, it's, it's almost not fair, right? right? Because, like, if I had to watch one of the two performances again, like, it's only because we've watched 1991 a million times that I wouldn't pick Rick Martel. No, he's great, but the match around him is also not that great. So it's interesting. They both make the match better. Right. Right? Like, I, I think Undertaker's in a better match. Um, but they both, I think, elevate it. I, I, would, I would argue they both probably elevate it a similar amount. Right. Like if if the if the ninety one rumble is a two star rumble, um, Martel takes it up to like a two and a half, you know. Whereas if two thousand seven is a four star rumble, Undertaker takes it up to like four and a half. You know what I mean? But, but anyway, he's there now, number nine. Okay. All right, let's go to two thousand eight, where we do a full reversal. It's, yeah. a, uh, it's a great booking. He comes out at number one in Madison Square Garden, and Shawn Michaels is number two. Did you uh, find this contrived, or did you think it was a cool, like, payoff? I thought it was a cool payoff because, based on the reaction, both, but, but I mean, Undertaker got a great reaction. But based on the reaction that Shawn got, and it was clear that that audience wanted more of what they saw the year before. Right. And that's the cool thing, too, is they didn't really interact again a little bit because they were in that tag at um, No Way Out in 07 after the Rumble. So, I mean, they're not as apart, but they kind of are. They kind of are. Like, they don't really um, touch again until here. So, yeah, the crowd was definitely, like, revved up to see it again. Yeah. And, they, and I mean, yeah, they were very, very happy. So I liked it. And I, I don't know. I'm a sucker for stuff like that that kind of carries Rumble to Rumble. Right. Yep. Like, I don't think we get enough of that. Right. Well, especially the era of the brand split, like because mm. you guys may not see each other for a year, whereas that's less likely um, in, a, in a world where everyone's on everything. But but so MSG does pop big when he comes out. We get a good back and forth. It's hard hitting. What I what I didn't love was Michael Buffer saying the Undertaker. Well, he'd never done it. It was his first. <laughs> hitting that R sound forever. <laughs> his first time. Uh, Taker kicks the shit out of Santino when he comes in, throws him right out. And then but he Santino goes, Santino comes yeah. in and tries to make himself look big. Right, right. It's funny. This is a great little spot. So Taker chucks him out back to war, Sean. In comes great Kali. So we get another kind of thread 
from the year before where Taker uh, eliminated him. They choke each other for a couple minutes and Taker dumps him right away. And Kali was coming yeah. off a pretty big 07. Like, that's where he had his title matches with Cena and Batista, like all that shit in 07. Um, Wasn't he champion in 07? Yeah, yeah, that was his big year. That was, yeah. He pinned Cena clean with one foot on Saturday Night's event. That was the year I stopped watching. 07 because of that? I don't know if it was because of that, but I mean, it probably didn't help. Right. Well, either way, yeah. it was a big year for him, and he gets thrown out easily. So we keep going back to Sean and Taker. It's a good flow. Taker's throwing guys out. Sean's trying to sneak attack up afterward. The ring fills up as Taker kind of moves around. We get a great moment where Batista comes out and stares down with Taker, and they start to tangle. You know, they obviously feuded through most most of 07. Uh, but then from there, I thought Taker was moving kind of slow. Just kind of goes guy to guy, chokes and pushes guys around. Yeah, I mean, like, I, there's a point where he gets stuck with Bob Holly for a while, just kind of hanging out. And, like, I cannot picture those two being friends backstage. Right, right. Like, well, they like, are both, like, bully assholes, so. Right. But only one of them, like, could really dominate, right? Um, but holy shit, does Taker look like he's in good shape here? Mm-hmm. Like, you would have never imagined in the year 2000 that he would ever look like this again. Well, you could tell he was rejuvenated just from the – we talked about it. Like, the work rate improving and being in these matches and this position and got himself into really good shape. Like, he's suddenly having main event classics that go a while, et cetera, et cetera. Is he Batista's best opponent? (sighs) Yeah, probably, right? Yeah. Cena, maybe. Yeah. This is the I mean, part I, two. I'd probably have the WrestleMania Undertaker Batista WrestleMania match ahead of any of the uh, under uh, Cena Batista matches. I think. Right. But yeah. Yeah, like, I'd say I'd take Batista's probably the best. Yeah. Um, he eats a massive spear from uh, Batista, mm-hmm. and then Cole goes shades of their rivalry from last year. <laughs> shades of it, yeah, it's shades, just shades. Right. Uh, so we get a fun bit where Cody goes right to Taker. Taker just doesn't take any shit from him at all; just smacks him around uh, multiple times. Taker throws guys that, that hung on as he walks away, which is not like him. It's kind of a sluggish showing, actually. I thought for Taker, he's not as aggressive. Maybe it's just the age thing. We've actually seen that. I'm curious, like, how much of a thing it is. I feel like we've seen that a bunch of times uh, in these Rumbles, where as guys get older or more veteran status, they get a little bit lazier in the, in the Rumbles right. versus earlier. So that definitely stood out to me here. Um, you just spend a bunch of time with Umaga, too. takes some big headbots and trading blows at that point as well. That uh, Cody Rhodes segment is actually immortalized in, like, a Cody Rhodes, like, panel interview. Right. Where he talks about, like, he couldn't believe that Undertaker would let him dropkick him. Which I think is kind of cool. Like it's a nice little, nice little footnote from this. Um, yeah, I think what you're saying is right about the age, for sure. But they're also doing him no favors having him in there as long as he's in there right now. Right. Yep. Because I would imagine that like, like I I don't think like maybe maybe the rumble isn't as tiring as a regular match. But if you're constantly like running at new guys and going after new guys, like it's, it's probably it's probably rough. All right, especially he's trying to keep up with Sean. Yeah, who's clearly as well. So a lot of that too. Yeah, um, a lot of stomping. Um, a Chuck Palumbo in the corner. <laughs> yes. 
And, and he, I, scr- he scratched with Batista a lot too. Yeah, I don't understand how Palumbo is getting any offense on The Undertaker. Like, I guess Taker was just feeling really generous on this night. Right. Because Christ, Chuck Palumbo, let's let's not go crazy here. Well, I think he was tired. That's what I'm saying. Just kind of laid yeah. around a lot. Well, he and like, and oh, yeah. And he's fading into the background, which is something The Undertaker should never do. Right. That really stood out to me in this one for sure. Uh, he does get some time with Kane, as always. Yeah, Goes to go with Michaels, but nothing sustained there. Uh, he finally gets a big spot. He hits a power bomb on Batista, but then Umaga wipes him out. And the ring gets really full at this point. Like, he's there's not a lot of room to move. He does get a choke him in on Kennedy, gets a little more energy from there, throws out mm-hmm. Snitsky, but then he turns around and eats a sweet chin music to end his night, which is poetic as Sean gets his revenge. And then yeah. a mad taker uh, puts Snitsky to her table. Well, and I love, too, the symmetry of, like, so Shawn Michaels kicks him out, and he falls out. The great symmetry of the match before. But then Kennedy sneaks up and throws Michaels out, and Michaels, like, lands at Undertaker's feet. And I think it's such a nice touch because, like, you know, especially now, knowing where they're going the next year. Yeah. Like, it's just that nice little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. And, and like, he beats the crap out of Snitsky on the table. And what I took from that was that – Snitsky. Snitsky. Um, the, like the best thing he did in the match was once he was eliminated mm-hmm. and that doesn't yeah. speak well to like, you know, I mean, he did headbutt Jimmy Snuka, like, I guess to revenge <laughs> something from WrestleMania seven, the powerbomb of Batista was cool, but yeah, other than that, yes, it's after the match. Well, there's that bit too with Kane where like he goes, it looks like he's going to sneak up and choke slam him, but he goes for Michaels instead. Right. Yeah. But I think it's really telling that, like, watching this, number one, 2008, I think, is a much better Rumble than 1991. But that being said, watching this sequence in it, I was like, fuck, like, this is giving me some 91 feels with how full the ring is. Like, there's just too many guys, right? And I think it's really telling that the announcers don't really talk a lot about Undertaker outside of his entrance at first. Yeah, they're super into the thing with him and Sean a star, and then it's he he's kind of a non-factor for most of it. Like he's presented as a threat and dominant, but long stretches of doing nothing, a lot of laying around, a lot of walking in circles. I found it disappointing given how long he was in, the level of star power in MSG coming off an all-time classic. Uh, it was kind of a letdown because you always kind of think of these two together. Yeah. 07 and 08 and this one this one definitely disappointed. Yeah, it was definitely a step back from the year before. Mm-hmm. Now, I think you might be able to lay some of that at the fact that he was just – number one, he was in there with too many people. Yep. But he was in there with like in a lot of ways some some more either up-and-coming or interesting or hard-hitting guys. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't the focus, right? Like Batista is a bigger focus in the match than he is. Right. Right? Uh, and I mean Batista is a bigger star. I mean you can kind of wash out Taker and Michaels. I think they're about equal in this. But yeah. Batista is a bigger star than say Edge or Orton from the year right. before at this point. Right? Yeah, and you got Umaga who's the up and coming heel. You got Punk who's like the up and coming like cool dude. You know like – so there's there's just so much going on. It's it's There's just not a lot of room for him to breathe in this one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It doesn't get as much time to shine because of all the reasons you said. So, look, I'm at a five for presentation. I thought this was, again, a step back where outside of that first pop, he just didn't feel as important, and they didn't present him in the match as important. 
I don't know. I stayed at seven. Like, he felt the same to me as the year before coming out. Feels like a big deal. Still feels like you just said it. Like, him, Sean, and Batista are the biggest guys in the match. Like, he's still a top star. Still a believable potential guy that could go one to 30 even. Um, so, I, I think I, I don't see much difference between how he's presented as a threat or as a wrestler here versus the year before. I guess I see it because I see him as a as a top star. But I don't mm-hmm. find the announcers treated him as a top star. And I don't find the booking treated him as a top star. Right. Uh, work rate, I'm at a two. I went three. It's, yeah, a big drop for him. So much standing yeah. around. He does some fun stuff. Like we said, the power bomb, putting Siski through the table. Um, the stuff with Sean Astar, the headbutt snooker, eliminating Kali. Like, there's some good stuff in there. But it's just he's in so long, it's so spread out. Yeah, if he had all those spots inside 13 minutes like he did in 2007, mm-hmm. I'm probably on board. Right. But he's in there 32 minutes and 33 seconds. And uh-huh. this felt long watching it. Yeah. Uh, I'm at a three for effectiveness. I mean, he did last a while. He tossed out three guys. But in the end, it's a whole lot of nothing, I think. Yeah, I went three as well. And he does continue to further his issues with Sean, which will permeate a year later again. So. Yeah, like we got to wait a year to get to the good stuff here. Uh-huh. Uh, so that lands him with a score of 23. Which is which, low for him. It's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's still really good. That Well, look who it ties him with. It'll give you – so it ties him with Shawn Michaels from 1992, uh-huh. Randy Savage from 92, and Bret Hart from 88. It's an interesting mix because we both found Savage 92 to be a little underwhelming as well given where he was at. Yeah. Um, so I think that's an interesting comp. We like Shaw 92 a lot. I know that. Yeah. Uh, I think I put him last in that group. Like, I know we like Brett too. He was such a good steward in 88. Well, Brett really helps make that, uh, makes that match. Right. Yep. So yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm totally down. I'm down to put him there because like, it's just, it's just, it's sad because it's this underwhelming thing. It's not bad. It's just disappointing. Uh, all right, before we get to our next one, do you want to quickly talk about North South Connection? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, check out stuff that's going on um, all the time on the network. Look, we got shows dropping every day, but I think one of the things I like the most about the network is I feel we've put together well, – not we, but like we happen to have stumbled upon a really great group of people. Like every single person who comes in and does a show – uh, hits it with uh, like a different view, an awesome place of creativity, and everyone everyone contributes something different to this really cool team. You know, whether it's Jenny Smith who's doing uh, TNA Never Dies with you and I, or uh, ECW Three Way Dance, which drops on Thursdays. You know, she brings this this awesome like bubbly energy. Um, sometimes a fish out of water, but like without each podcast, she's less. You know what I mean? Like because she's mm-hmm. always a bit like she hasn't watched a lot of these stuff or grown up with it, right? Right. So I, I think it's such a cool element. You got Jake Williams doing all kinds of heavy lifting, ruthlessly aggressive. That's been just a stalwart when a lot of other shows have kind of gone on hiatus and stuff. Um, Tim Slomka and Justin Pratt killing it with um, New Gen on a mission all the time. Uh, they're on a hiatus now, but that's because Justin's got more important stuff to do and by more important. Well, I mean, more important than a podcast. kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's awesome. Um you know, John D'Amato is so much fun on ECW three-way dance. 
uh, you know, Cowboy and Logan, such great chemistry talking about uh, from Silver Squared Circuit to Silver Screen doing the wrestler uh, wrestler movies or movies about wrestling. And holy shit, Marcus and Tim, like just killing it after mm-hmm. every single pay-per-view. I was I didn't even watch the latest WWE pay-per-view, the Survivor Series. But holy shit, I was really happy that they told me not to go near it. Like, and there, I'm sure their review was more interesting than the show. Then you mm-hmm. got the Cronoso gang, you know, the newcomers like Ryan Gray and Johnny C finding the niche, but both like doing really well and bringing this great new energy to it. And like, you know, I, I could go on and on at length about all the shows. There's new stuff dropping every day. But like what really for me is the best part of our feed for me is when I listen to shows, I, I feel like I'm listening to my friends. And, um, you know, I'm just really happy with those good people that we're, we're surrounded by. No, me too. I'm super proud of it. It's been consistent. Uh, it's great stuff. A lot of it's evergreen content. So don't feel like you're, you're behind or you missed the boat. Like there's plenty of, you know, ways to go ahead and just catch up and, um, it'll always, you know, the bulk of it will, will stand the test of time. So follow us on social media, facebook.com slash connection. Appreciate any, all feedback as well. And uh, like and uh, follow us on any podcast trap and review us and rate us and all that good stuff. Absolutely. All right, let's head to 2009, where <laughs> The Undertaker enters at 16, which felt kind of rare, like mid-draw for him. I feel like he's always early or late. Uh, but yeah. here he is stomping out, and he just starts wrecking shit immediately. And everyone kind of lines up to prep for him. <laughs> kind of a right. cool way to present for him. He immediately throws our JTG, keeps unloading, works the corners in the background, you know, some others kind of take center spotlight as he kind of just works around. Uh, him and Punk have a fun little punch out on the ropes. Even takes him off kills. on Jericho as well. He kills Cody Rhodes. Yes, yes. He kills him. And Jim Ross goes, he, Cody Rhodes, if you will. <laughs> That's his name. Um, I love, too, that, like, there's this moment, like, you're talking about Jericho, where he tries to suplex Jericho out. Which such a That's such a weird pairing that never really crossed paths. Right. Like and then you get the punk stuff kind of foreshadowing the feud later in the year, and then but after this initial flurry, I find he gets kind of really just lost in the shuffle with Jericho. Spends a lot of time on the mat too. Yeah. Um, it does heat back up at one point. You get the nice boot on Mark Henry. Some punches to Shelton. Uh, he throws Shelton out, but he's just moving very methodically. He's busted open again for some reason. I don't really know why. You know what, what happened? Was it was it the Mark Henry headbutt? I guess they don't really say it. It's just random. He's just all of a sudden bleeding. Now I'm not blaming Mark Henry for that. No, no one is. That was the undertaker. Unless you like it, unless it's a good thing. Then it's Mark Henry. Then, then he did the right thing because he always does the right thing. Always. Gets that little bit too with Orton, which is like Orton's really the star of this match. Right. Right. That's like the most important he feels like I find in this match. It works in a stare down with Kane, of course, as well. Um, and yeah, then he gets swarmed by Legacy. Uh, he kind of cranks a choke and yanks back on Orton, but Cody and Ted come and save him. Then he works yeah. over Triple H in the corner. So he's kind of getting a lot of his rivals in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the guys that stops and stares as Big Show comes out. And then we get a big stare down, but Kane breaks that up. And then Taker ends up at a big slugfest with Big Show and then just walks away from it. That's <laughs> odd. It's just like he doesn't finish anything. It's like he, he's just like a Virgil, one of these other guys that like kind of meanders from dude to dude in this point. Yeah. Yeah. There's one point where he throws uh, Snitsky into Kane and Ross is like, that might be an unholy alliance. <laughs> I don't know what's unholy about it. They're brothers. Right. <laughs> Storyline. Um, 
two things that I, this doesn't really have to do with the Undertaker, but it's just things I noticed the first time wa- like watching this really for the because we haven't really touched 2009 yet. King calls a DDT a double DT, which made me angry. And then Ross calls Rob Van Dam Rob VD. <laughs> Venereal disease? Maybe he's going for yeah, that. Like, yeah, that's not a good. Um, <laughs> that tells me he forgot his name. I think. Yeah, yeah. Or he, 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 his brain was saying RVD, but his mouth right. said Rob. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, there is a really cool like old man punching routine with Triple H about midway through his little run here. Mm-hmm. They're throwing those blows, and Undertaker gets positively pummeled by Jim Duggan. Yes, which is kind of a cool little moment yeah. feed for him. He's got a feisty battle with Jericho. He takes a hard code breaker, but then throws Jericho out. He kind of watches legacy throughout Kane. doesn't really help him. And then it lands him in the final six. So he's had a long run here again, over 30 minutes. Fights off legacy, has a boxing master show, almost knocks him out, dodges an RKO, but then show pulls Taker to the apron and eliminates him after he's already been eliminated. And they brawl to the back, kind of continuing their issues that they got going on. Again, I thought this was pretty boring. Just a lot of walking around, a lot of strikes, Never took center stage again, never shined, uh, no flurries of action, just existed in a crowded field, uh, you know, until the very end, he stepped up more and he, you know, felt more, you know, like a bigger deal late. But yeah, this just yeah. feels like he's just kind of another guy in this one. Yeah, I mean, look, it's really telling for me when like Taker and Big Show have a stare down and Jim Ross with zero excitement says, well, now we're now we're back to this again. Like, could you could you sell it a little bit? Right, give just us something. A, like a little bit. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. Like I liked when he kicked Hornswoggle in the back, but that's just me. Yeah, um, yeah it's he just he really just feels like like you said another guy, not much focus. He's still the Undertaker, but like I feel this is where we're starting to think. Like like oh nine is where the great matches become the anomalies again. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, we're going to get another run with this guy. Like, when is he going away? Well, you know what happened? Like, I wonder if they put too much faith in him in thinking, oh, he's a great worker now. He can carry guys. You know what I mean? And, like, he just mm. – it was more the the thing that he could – not that he was getting carried, but he could hang with other guys that could go. And then once he becomes the guy that's going to carry guys – it just wasn't going to work. But then he's got some weird shit, too, like with Punk that you think would work and doesn't work. You know, like there's a lot of that stuff in 09. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think part of that is Punk never being allowed to kind of be anywhere right. close to an equal, you know, like like Edge was presented kind of as an equal to him. Right. Which is strange because, you know, they're like equals. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I guess he, I guess you could make the argument he carried Batista. A bit? I, I don't know. Like, uh, no, I think that was – I would call that a good 50-50. I think yeah, they maybe. both just happened to find the perfect chemistry and bomb throwing. <laughs> you know? Now, Taker and Show fight to the back. Was that the plan for Mania? I don't know because Sean – was this when Sean had the JBL stuff or is that the next year? No, this is JBL. Yeah, so I don't know if the original plan was maybe Taker Show and Show on JBL. I, I don't know. Because I right. think Taker and Show fight it in February, so maybe that was just to set that up. Maybe. I mean, what we got was better. Right. Yeah. 
But yeah, I wish he was I wish he was a bit more present in this one. Again, I feel for presentation. He's in there 32 minutes. Like he, mm-hmm. he dips down another notch for me, so I'm at a four for presentation. Yeah, I brought him down a notch here to six. So okay. same. Uh, work rate two, just boring yep. a bit. Like Very. and effectiveness three. Yeah, not much doing. Now he does throw all four guys. Uh, but again, 32 minutes, and it's like just a lot of standing around or laying around. Well, and it's it's one of those performances too, where like he comes in and he throws out like three guys right away. Right. And then you're waiting like 32 minutes for the mm-hmm. fourth guy. Right. Yep. So yeah, kind of underwhelming for Undertaker in 09, and that lands him with a score of 20, which is actually his worst score mm-hmm. that we have that we have talked about in this show. So again, that's still really good. 20 ties him with. Mr. Perfect, 1993, Undertaker, 2001, Greg Valentine, 1991, and Jake Roberts, 1990. I think he's below perfect, but I think I like this one better than 01. I like 01 better. (coughs) I don't care enough to argue it. Yeah, I know that sounds crazy. And then, I don't know, like, I'm comfortable putting ahead of Valentine because Valentine's that Iron Man that you forget about. And he's, it's, it's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's 41 minutes, you know? Yeah. Or 44, whatever it is. Is he warmed up at that point? No, uh, yeah, because it takes about 15 minutes. So he's warmed up three times. What are his cooldowns like? Are they also as long? No, they, he comes down quick. Are you a guy that does cooldowns after a workout? No, that's probably why I tore my Achilles. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like that too. I don't do that shit. All right, well that lands a stretch. Yeah, I hate. I gotta stretch. Uh, That lands the Undertaker 2009 at the number 46th place. All right, so still all top 50s. Yeah, a lot of top 50s, but we've got one left, and this is kind of Uh a sneaky one that I had forgotten existed until like, oh wait a minute, that happened. Like as we're going through our list, and that's 2017. Back to being a late draw, it comes in at 29. So back toward the end, he's got the full uh, full entrance, he's got the lights, the aura, uh, but in a kind of a cool moment, he sneaks in from the behind and and uh, everyone's laid out. So the lights come up and everyone's out except for Goldberg. And we got yeah, big Goldberg and Goldberg face to face. Yeah, because Goldberg had destroyed everybody. Uh, with this one, too, he is front and center on every poster for this show. Yeah. Like they were really using him as a draw for this show. Yeah, they were they were trying. I mean, he obviously ends up main eventing Mania a couple of months later. So, right. Um, epic face to face. Taker gets in it with Baron Corbin. He throws him right out right away, but then walks into a spear from Goldberg, and then he comes up from behind and dumps Goldberg to a pop. So again, like, yeah. I mean, was Goldberg Brock? That had to be the plan given Survivor Series, right? But I guess made us yeah. sowing seeds for something else. Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, does he get does he get distracted? No. No, Goldberg doesn't get distracted. He just goes out. Um, I know when Goldberg and Taker are staring at each other, Michael Cole goes, this is a moment. <laughs> so thanks, Michael. Um, I I don't know. I wonder if they were like worried, like if was like what, what would have been the plan for Brock? No, I had to be Brock. I mean, you don't do that squash and Survivor Series unless you're planning a rematch. That mania. Right. I mean, so I may I think they're just setting something up maybe for later down the line. Or something. One of those Saudi shows. Yeah, I mean, or SummerSlam maybe. Right after he, right after he tosses Goldberg, Miz kicks Taker, and I don't believe for one second the Miz could hurt the Undertaker. <laughs> Definitely not. 
Taker fights off a bunch of bodies. He's kind of like an old gunslinger in a saloon. Just kind of guys bouncing off him. Uh, Cole. Big sh- Cole says he's in phenom form. Yes, he is. Classic phenom form. Vintage. Yeah. We get a big showdown with Taker and Reigns. So to me, I think they knew that was a main event. That kind of backs up what we said earlier. Taker lands the first shot. Did you find Undertaker's face looked really round here? Um, why would that be? You think? A little extra salt in the diet this year. <laughs> He's carrying a little extra water weight in the face. <laughs> a little bloated. Yeah. Uh, the crowd's buzzing for that though. As Taker nails Reigns, hits him with a big choke slam. He fights off Bray Wyatt. And then he dumps Miz and Sami Zayn, uh, knocks down Jericho, looks away for one split second, and that allows Reigns to throw him out, and that gets some booze. Uh, yeah. So that is going to set up the Mania main event, him and Reigns, so kind of means something there. Uh, there's a fun outing. Uh, Taker's way better in the short spurts, I think we've learned, where he yes. can just kind of chuck guys, hit bombs, have a couple spots. And we get this big stare downs, we set up Mania. Uh, this is a good showing. It, it actually surprised me. Yeah, it was okay. Um, massive. This is bullshit. Chance from the audience when Reigns yeah, tossed him. Yeah. No, not pleased at all. Um, and but massive heat when like I just love that heat, that level of heat. I love too when he's thrown to the floor and he does the sit up on the floor and the stare down with mm-hmm. Reigns above. Like just great stuff. Uh, but you're right, he's better in the short spurts. And I think the short spurts and the fact that he was in there, he got to throw Goldberg, he got to really be active. To me, that helped buoy his presentation up a little bit. So I went back up to a five. Uh, yeah, I went six. So I had him about the same as the year before. Uh, in my eyes, again, full-on legend Hall of Famer mode now, like not even the little hybrid. Um, right. So I think that made you think like he's probably not going to win, but he does end up having a good showing. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, and I bumped up his work rate, too, to a three. I thought it was a step above the last one. Yeah, I went up a couple to a four. I, I liked him in this one. I thought he worked hard. Again, I think he benefits from the short sprint. He's only in five minutes. He's able to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Now, for effectiveness, I thought he did well. He eliminated four guys who's in there five, not that long, five minutes. That's a plus. And he set up the Reigns match. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm at a three for effectiveness. I went five. I, I thought he got a lot done. Eliminated four guys in five minutes. Had the mm-hmm. big showdown with Goldberg. At the showdown with Reigns, set up the Mania main event. I thought he got a lot done in here. See, I think my problem is, is that this is not a good rumble, right? right? And I think the big reason or one of the big reasons why it's not a good rumble is because the three most heavily pushed guys in the rumble are in it for a total of like five minutes. Because mm. it was entirely built around Undertaker, Goldberg, and Lesnar. Right. All that. And then they put them all in at the same time in the same like five minute span. And I think that actually kind of really hurt the whole the whole thing. So in, in a lot of ways, it's not Undertaker's fault, but I, I, I think he probably maybe he's not the one to keep in there longer. Maybe it was Brock. Maybe it was Goldberg. But there's just something missing from the performance for me. I was always left wanting more, but not necessarily in a good way. Right. Which I know runs contrary to everything we've said about him being in there too long. Yeah, I mean, you could maybe do a few more minutes, but... Yeah. Definitely not 30. No. So that lands our final Undertaker um, Royal Rumble appearance with a score of 26. And that ties him with Jake Roberts, 92, Roddy Piper, 90, and that's it. I think I have him last. Yeah, I have him last also. All right. And that... 
puts this 2017 Undertaker run as the 33rd mm. best Royal Rumble appearance of all time. Pretty good. It's really good. And I think there's something interesting about this one, too. Um, it, um, it, it, it now fits into a, um, it fits into like this nice little pattern of Undertaker, um, runs. So at 32 is Undertaker from 2017 at 33 Undertaker from 1991 at 34 Undertaker from 2003. (laughs) That's funny. And they were all top 50, right? Everyone. I believe so. Yeah. yeah, his his worst is 09 and it's 47. Yeah, so he's got what 10 rumbles, 11, 11 rumbles, and all in the top 50. That's crazy. He's one fifth of the rumble performances are him <laughs> top 50. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so that's quite a a bit of a surprising feat from the Undertaker. I probably wouldn't have predicted that going into this. Yeah, I would agree. I I think we're on the same page with that for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that closes The Undertaker, so we get to move on to somebody else next time. But before Finally. we do, do you want to do our top 10 uh, our top ten appearances and our top 10 overall performers? Uh, yes. Okay. So it's the top 10 performances. Now, currently sitting at number 10, mm-hmm. probably not for much longer, Rick Martell from 1991. Right in front of him. And nine is The Undertaker from 2007. Eight, Bret Hart, 1994. Seven, The Ultimate Warrior, 1990. Six, Hulk Hogan, 1990. Five, Shawn Michaels, 1996. Four, The Undertaker, 2002. Three, Shawn Michaels, 2007. Two, Hulk Hogan, 1989. And our number one performance is Shawn Michaels, 2010. Just looking at this, it's kind of crazy how far Bret Hart, 94, is kind of falling uh-huh. down. Yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. so for for our top performers, what we do is you have to be in a minimum of three Royal Rumble appearances, yep. and uh, it's basically an average of everything you're doing, everything you've done. So uh, at number 10 as the 10th best Rumble Rumbler, I guess, up to this point, is Earthquake. Number nine is Jake Roberts. Number eight, Mr. Perfect. Number seven, Ted DiBiase. Number six, Rodney the Piper. Number five, Macho Man Randy Savage. Number four, Brett the Hitman Hart. Number three, a big uh, leap here into the top ten, and that's The Undertaker in three. Nice. Number two, Shawn Michaels. And number one, The Immortal Hulk Hogan. Another guy nudges Bret Hart down a list. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, bumped out of the top ten is Rick Martell. Uh, tough night for the model. I know. <laughs> Just lost it all around. Uh, but yeah, fun, fun, deep dive into the undertaker. And, you know, he's got enough, like I, I say, if I was going to recommend one, I'd go back and watch 2002 again, just to watch yeah. it beat up. Maybe oh yeah. That was, that was our favorite one. So for sure. Yeah. All right. We'll be back in two weeks. We're going to head across the pond for our next entrance, Aaron. Till then Ooh. keep on rumbling.